listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Have you ever been in that situation where you're invited to a nice, you know, say holiday dinner party and you agree to bring something, you know, like a, a pie, maybe, a, you know, your famous green bean casserole that you make from scratch, you know, this bullshit Campbell's soup right out of a can nonsense. I mean, you go all the way, but you waited to the last minute. And now you're going to the stores. Everybody's there because they waited to the last minute. You've gone to the last bakery that has the last fucking pie in town. Finally, you show up to where you're going and you go, oh my God, I'm so sorry I'm late, but I brought my famous green bean casserole and this wonderful pecan pie. And then you realize with horror, so did everyone else. And (laughs) since you're late, they already ate. And as the evening progresses, they're not really touching your food, not because it's bad but because they're already full. Well, something similar happened with Amy Poehler's brand new documentary, Lucy and Desi, because in the past six months, Turner Classic Movies has put out an incredible podcast called The Plot Thickens, which had a 10-episode season Hmm. just about Lucy and Desi. And then in December, we got the very good Aaron Sorkin written and directed film Being the Ricardos, starring uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem, also produced by Amazon Prime, who also produced this new Amy Poehler documentary. The question is, even if you're a hardcore Lucy fan, are we already too full, or should you have another slice? And to help me weigh that decision are other fans of the show, my fellow reviewers, Trevor. Hi, I am also a fan of the show, but I'm on the show, so take it for what it's worth. Well, I didn't want to assume that anybody here was a fan of the I Love Lucy show. I know Frank is, who is also here with us. I'm here. I am a fan of that show. I'm also a fan of The Plot Thickens, which that Lucy one is its third season. Kids, go check that out. Go check this. No Marvel stuff. I'm sorry, but it is really, really good. (laughs) Well, you know, really, uh, in the 60s, if Marvel had a TV series a la the Batman TV show, I think... Lucille Ball would have been a lock for Scarlet Witch, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Also joining us is Melina. Hi, and Marco, I have got to say, before I say whether or not I'm hungry for a slice, I was wondering how in the hell you were going to link what you were talking about to this review, and you pulled it out. I'm impressed. (laughs) That's what I do. I would say, that sounds like a pretty sad spread. Green bean casseroles and pecan pie. I like... Wow, that's what, every, hey, that's what everybody my brought? My casserole Jeez. is on point, Frank. <laughs> I could love a good broccoli cheese casserole. I like that. That's also good. <laughs> this is why Facebook party invites really do help. <laughs> yes. Let us know what you're bringing. But the thing is, because I've been in that situation where you show up and everybody's already shown up with something similar. And because you came in late, everybody's kind of already had their full. 
And as much as I enjoyed this, I kind of had to ask myself, why is it that all of a sudden there's this obsession, this renewed obsession uh, with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, and why is Amazon dropping two Lucy and Desi-themed projects within months of one another? I mean, I'm pretty sure they had that conversation of like, well, the movie has kind of Oscar bait written all over it, so we have to release that during awards season, but do we release this documentary at the same time? Does that cut into the market? Would it, be, would it be better putting it afterwards? None of this is Amy Poehler's fault. Mm. I'm just saying as an I Love Lucy fan, I kind of felt like I was already full with this story. I wonder, I think it's really just a, a as far as like the, the plot thickens and Amazon, I think that's just a question of just like, just a dink. But I, I know that uh, Lucy Arnaz, Lucille Ball's daughter, uh, won an Emmy when she directed a documentary about her parents called Lucy and Desi, a home movie back in the 90s. Goodness. Yeah, and uh, it's a really great documentary. Uh, she has some regrets about it because she says that she was too close to it, but whatever. Um, and that, that was released on Valentine's Day, and that scored really, really high because it was Valentine's Day. So I'm wondering if it's because it's close to Valentine's Day or, or in that neighborhood. Or maybe it's because they just, they were America's first real superstar TV couple on and off the screen. If you're going to put something out about them, it would make sense for it to be Valentine's Day. However tragic and layered their, their relationship was. We're recording the day after Valentine's. Right. But the thing is, it's dropping March 4th. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's like trying to capitalize on all the Oscar buzz that the film got. I, I did assume that people would see the movie and go, oh, I'd like to know more of the real story. Yeah. And the only bankroll of the Sorkin film, this was this is something that they, that they just acquired. Really, they didn't say, hey, go make a documentary about Lucy and Desi. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting that Amazon Prime has both of them, and I'm sure the algorithm's going to go, hey, if you like this, you might like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it worked on me. Uh, I, I was not uh, privy to, to this podcast. This is news to me, and I, I am eager to dig into that. Well, listen and love. So I didn't have that coming in. Uh, what's more is... As much as Lucy was kind of omnipresent when I was a kid, it, she was in heavy syndication when I was really young on broadcast TV. Nick at Night picked up the Lucy show mm, for years yeah. before eventually picking up I Love Lucy. So I am a fan of Lucy as an artist, of her work, of her, you know, I remember one time I sought out, what is it, the long trailer that she did with Dizzy Arnaz. The Arnett long, long trailer. The day that, yeah, that, that none of these projects have mentioned. But uh, So this, this was perfect for me. I watched the Aaron Sorkin movie recently just as part of the general awards buzz also i like sorkin you know and lucy and desi are right in my lane i'm nostalgic for that that show in that period the only thing i really knew of the story coming in was that they had been a real couple they were kind of a hollywood power couple and that Lu uh, desi had been stepping out on lucy and as soon as I Love Lucy ended, they divorced. And what I really like about this, this is a great peek at Lucy's story, which is out there. This is the first I've really been exposed to Desi's side of the story. And this is the first I've ever learned that their divorce, while complex, was not necessarily as acrimonious as I may have deployed in my head. And so all of this was new information for me. All of this was really interesting and supported the Sorkin movie a great deal. But I have to admit, the Sorkin movie was like, oh, hey, this was a great snapshot of, of a moment in time. This is a great dramatization of something that happened. But if I really wanted the Lucy and Desi story... I, I think the documentary knocked it out of the park in that in that department. Which is a really great trend 
it's really great turn these days. I like agree. I'm tired of the um I don't know about anybody else, but I think I got a little fed up with um Marco, you were there for Aretha, weren't you? For that respect movie? Like yeah. all of these and like and then the Tammy Faye movie, like all of these cradle to grave biopics mm-hmm. that are just so like you just feel so exhausted afterwards. I'm really loving th- this like trend now, this other trend of focusing on a specific period and why this little spotlighted time, you know, made this person who they are. But I think that the entire story is really interesting and does fit the documentary format a lot better. I th- you know, I, I knew about uh, Dusty's life in Cuba and how he, had, how he had to flee. I know about her time as a model trying to make it and, you know, um, all that. I'd heard it before. I can't, I it must have been in the Arnaz, the Lucy Arnaz documentary, but. And so I was like, okay, watching this, like, okay, oh, they hit that point, they hit that point, they hit that point. But what I think what really succeeds here, even if you do know all the story points, is the the way that Amy Poehler has used the archival footage and the audio um, excerpts. Yeah. That's what really makes the story feel not different, but it does it it does take you into it more. And that's really ultimately why I think this works. You know, in the face of all these Lucy insights we've had recently. Well, let me let me ask you guys this. The, the revelation that these tapes are new information, that was all new to me. Is that something that's come up in some of these these other incarnations? Last year, I think. Uh, yes. I, I don't think I found out anything new, even though it's sometimes being phrased differently because it's fr- taken from a different tape. But these are stories that have been told a long time. I wanted to speak on the point that I think all three of you have, have made at this point, which is... Just from hearing you guys talk, I clearly came into this documentary with the least amount of knowledge of the story of of Desi and Lucille outside of the show itself. I think, yeah, my the extent of my knowledge of the two of their story is they were a married couple. They channeled a lot of their real-life love story into what would become the first uh, syndicated rerun show in all of U.S. television. And that they ultimately divorced, but they remained more or less lifelong confidants and friends. So watching this and not knowing all the beats as apparently you guys did, I was with it the entire time. I was fascinated by the story. I thought Amy Poehler, I have seen one movie by her. uh, I think it is her only movie that she has directed other than this which I was not a particularly big fan of. But here, I thought that like her biggest strength as a director is she tells the story honestly, and she keeps herself very much on the side. She It's not a vanity project for her. This is not trying to cast the spotlight on herself or even any of the major talking heads who do come into this. She never takes the spotlight away from Desi and Lucille, not just because... Not only are they both long gone, and so we have to rely on archive footage and audio file, but that's great because it makes it so that they are still very much the stars of their own story, which is a fascinating story. Absolutely. I I make it sound like I'm bagging on this because I'm like, okay, I already know this story. Like Melina said, if you're coming to this for the first time and you don't really know all of this background, this is a really good primer. Mm-hmm. I think it hits all the major beats. What I think Amy Poehler does, without sort of imposing herself on the narrative, I think she makes some very smart choices. You could find any number of famous people, famous comedians, who are going to talk about how great Lucille Ball was, how much they enjoyed the show. Uh, she really wanted to focus on, apart from Desi's story of a, a Cuban refugee who somehow becomes a major 
Hollywood player. And she also wants to deal with about a story about a woman in an industry that usually doesn't give them positions of power. And neither her nor Desi in any other scenario would have any power. She's a woman in her 40s, considered no longer a viable leading actress, reduced to doing radio and comedy. And he's a Cuban band leader that they're afraid to put on TV next to her because they don't want to admit that they're actually married because America's still kind of weird about that shit in the 50s. So like, you can't have these this interracial relationship on television. You can't be pregnant on television. And even if they're married, you can't imply that they're sleeping together. Oh, yeah, they still have the double beds. But not only do they hate the idea of them portraying husband and wife, despite the fact that at the time they they started making the show, they had been married for 10 years. But they, when they first got together, the press didn't even like that they, they didn't even like that they were together off the screen. Everything that you see about that, you see these old, uh, you see these old press clippings where they are just flat out objectifying, not her, but him. He's the Latin lover. She's carrying out a torrid affair. She's married to the guy, guys. Yeah. Right. I don't know how you get less torrid. Again, to Amy Poehler's credit, she doesn't bring in a bunch of random comedians. Uh, she brings in people like Carol Burnett, Bette Midler, uh, women who who have been directly influenced by Lucille Ball and knew her personally. They also bring in Journey Gunderson and Laura LaPlaca, who are academics. They both are pop culture historians at the uh, Comedy Center, or the National Comedy Center. A lot of the previous documentaries focus on a lot of the same people, but she does bring some fresh voices into this. Well, and Marco, just to piggyback what you were saying, it's not just anybody. It's not Amy Poehler during a secondhand info love of Lucy as a self-insert. It's Carol Burnett. Yes. Who, in and of herself, probably deserves a documentary not dissimilar from this. It's Bette Midler, who deserves a... Like, these are the people who Amy Poehler would also be very at home, you know, doing a drop-in and saying, these women influenced me so much. You don't need anybody else. They're, they are the top of, of this game. And Shadow, for whatever reason, she's in here. Oh, yeah. But one thing that the documentary does so well that it does not ever call attention, it does not call attention to this fact because it doesn't need to, is it goes into not just how basically against the grain the success of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz uh, was for its time, but how they revolutionized TV, which even at that point, that was a new, that was a new thing. The studios did not respect it as an art yeah. form. And they came into it thinking, well, we're just going to do this because, quite honestly, this is what our marriage needs. And as a result of what the two of them ended up doing, not only did we see the, like, we see Star Trek becoming a show, not only do we see things like The Untouchables and all of these things that would become, you know, just huge pop culture touchstones in their, yeah, in their own right. But now, you know, Generations later, you have someone like Amy Poehler, who's a great comedian in her own right, who was influenced by people like Carol Burnett, who was influenced by someone like Lucille Ball. The documentary does such an amazing job of just showing without casting a spotlight on itself of saying, look at where all of us are because of what these two people were able to do. Absolutely agree with that. Again, there's a lot of documentary puff pieces out there, and you can go to YouTube and you can find decades worth of documentaries about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. 
And I just find it interesting that in this past, you know, six months, we've gotten more attention on them than they have in a while. And they certainly are worthy of it. There's a lot of people out there not familiar with that story. They revolutionized the industry and set the tone for what a sitcom could and should be, the way it was produced, the way it was shot, the way it was distributed, and the way it lives on through syndication. A lot of that comes out of Desi, who no one expected him to be as shrewd a businessman as he was. And then later on in life, when they separate, Lucille Ball has to take over, and she becomes the first woman to run a major independent Hollywood studio uh, that rivaled any of the majors, but they focus primarily on television. Whether people know it or not, they left a huge uh, footprint on the industry forever that is still present to this day. We could talk more at length about all of the things that Lucy and Desi did. And, and make no mistake, this is a story about Lucy and Desi. They will always be mentioned together. Their, their success uh, was impossible without one another. She isn't who she is without Desi, and he's not who he is without Lucille Ball. Uh, but rather than go into it any further, let's start rolling into our very final thoughts. Trevor, lead us off, please. I think my final thought here is that this is the capper to something, like I said, I started becoming aware and just in Lucy's orbit when I was very young. And I, my understanding of her and Desi's relationship uh, was kind of established at that age when I had a very juvenile and very different picture of what love and relationships are. Marco, you called this a love story. It is a love story. If you had told six-year-old Trevor, even though they got a divorce, they still loved each other and it's still were still able to have a happy ending to this love story, uh, I would have looked at you like you had your head screwed on backwards. But now that I understand as a more mature viewer, I'm able to kind of appreciate the relationship and appreciate the struggles. And I think the Aaron Sorkin movie is a good snapshot on the possible emotional things that these people were going through. And this is a really great factual story of how this is. And so the two marry real well together. I think if I have a criticism, I'm at the point where if we are so stocked up with Lucy and Desi uh, information, I kind of want to know more about William Frawley and Vivian Vance. Uh, yeah. I thought her character was particularly interesting in the Sorkin movie and uh, William Frawley as well. Let's, I want to know more about them. So I'm going to have to do some digging. Otherwise, what better compliment can I give a documentary than saying I left it being educated and wanting to know so much more that I do more research and more digging. So it's really high marks for me. Um, I think I'm going to give this 9 out of 10. Lucy, I'm home! <laughs> <laughs> you reminded me of something, Trevor. Another thing that Amy Poehler made a big deal out of. You mentioned uh, the actress Vivian Vance, who played Ethel. She said, this is one of the first times in television where you had two women who were friends. They weren't adversarial. They worked together. They were partners in crime instead of the usual, like, well, let's pit them against one another. They had an interesting relationship backstage, too, but they also remained lifelong friends. They would go on to do more shows. Yeah. Again, they were sort of tied at the hip for the rest of their lives, but she found a great comic partner in Vivian Vance. Speaking of a great comic partner, Frank, what are your final thoughts, sir? I really like this. I uh, I like that Amy Poehler directed this and put this together with a very loving eye. There, there wasn't a, like you touched on Molina. There wasn't a, a, you know a comedic bent. There wasn't like a, there wasn't sort of like an angle or an edge. This was just like a retelling of their story. And uh, from 
you know, a closer, more intimate look than I've ever seen before. I really thought the use of archival footage and interviews and, you know, this thing is researched to death. I think, you know, there's, there's a couple like Dick Cavett interviews on there as well. And it all makes for such a, a touching experience, even if you already know their story. I cried three times in this when we saw f- uh, footage of our Kennedy Center honors. I was a mess. Mm. It was uh, it was so touching. Even if you do know the story, you're never not going to feel moved by it in however fashion you're you're hearing it or seeing it and that's because you know on some you know some level we all feel like we we, we that we know them even more than other tv personalities at least i do i mean they're they're forever special to me in, in ways that other people i've seen on screen are not this really checked all the boxes for me i don't have any notes I gave a 10 out of 10 to something recently. I can't remember. what. Oh, worst person in the world. So I'm going to do it again, even though I never give, I hardly ever give 10 out of 10s, but I hardly, and especially don't give them this close together. So I'm going to give this 10 out of 10 uh, copies of Lucy's version of MAME, which I watched over the weekend, which is not the best musical, but is still a, a great pile of laughs because, you know, she was always funny. And so, hey, check that out, kids. It's not Marvel again, so you got to look it up. But Lucy's Mame, check it out. Yeah, all the kids are really going to be in yeah, the Yeah, they're going to go do that. <laughs> they're going to go do that. Hey, if we do our job correctly. Hey, then... you know, that's all we can do is try to point people to the good stuff. We could we could also be like directing traffic toward the plot thickens after what after talking about it as well. So, Oh, I'm gonna. Don't, don't spoil my review, Frank. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of the plot thickens, Melina, what are your final thoughts? Oh, boy. Well, like uh, Frank said, I actually didn't really, I didn't take very uh, many notes on this either. Not because I wasn't interested, quite the opposite. I was pretty much invested from start to finish. I think that this documentary, the worst thing that it could have done was be self-indulgent and try to go overboard with, I hate this term, I hate when people use it as a criticism, Try to reinvent the wheel. There is nothing wrong with just telling a straight story if that story is strong enough. And this absolutely is. And there is a reason, I believe, why it has been retold as many times as it has. I don't think this is going to be the last time that we see it told. Because as entertainment goes, we owe a huge, huge debt of gratitude to these two people as partners and as performers. I broke down and cried at least two or three times. I never thought that I would say it, but man, Robert Stack, there is now a time in my life where Robert Stack made me cry. Um, And I (laughs) honestly just, I really love the idea that this is a love story about two people whose marriage may have ended, but their love and gratitude and understanding of of who, how important each of them were in their lives never did. I think that is a mark of a great story. One I am going to revisit. And I now cannot go wait to watch uh, Being the Ricardos. I haven't seen it. So I oh, am going haven't? to... I wow. have not. Um, but this definitely is... Uh, this definitely worked to steer me in that direction. So I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 pieces of chocolate that you need to stuff in your mouth before they run off the conveyor belt. Oh. <laughs> Did anybody else like laugh really hard at the vintage... Lo- like the, the hospital... The leaving for the hospital scene still... Man, that's still hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait for me. Every once in a while, I will queue up old comedy shows or comedy scenes, you know, like on YouTube or whatever. And it's like the Vita Mita Vegemin skit always gets me. <laughs> or 
the scene where they're in France and they have to translate from Lucy to Desi to a guy who speaks Italian to another guy who speaks German to another guy who speaks French and then they have to keep going back each time. It's such great, smart comedy and so little of it has aged because obviously it is a product of its time. It's not edgy necessarily, but it still holds up because it's just sort of universally true things. And Amy Poehler does a great job of highlighting the fact that Lucille Ball, although she might have played a a housewife, is never really stuck in the domestic role. Uh, she's never playing your typical 50s mom. Not only is she an active participant in the story, she drives the story. She's the engine for the story. And you have Lucille Ball, who was formerly a sort of bombshell beauty queen of the B-movies, turning herself into just the silliest rubber-faced incarnation of herself Absolutely approaching comedy with laser-like precision and having zero vanity. She just put it all out there and the jokes land and she's willing to do anything to get a joke. And Desi Arnaz is the perfect straight man to her. I think Amy Poehler also does a fantastic job of highlighting the sad irony that they agreed to do this in an effort to save the marriage. They had spent years apart. They said, hey, what if we work together? And they built this amazing thing and ultimately, it kind of fractured their relationship. But as Melina and everyone else has said, that love never ended, really. So it's a beautiful love story. Done very well. I've just seen it done a little bit better more recently. And that's my only hang-up. But I think this is a great primer. And I think Amazon knew what they were doing. Because like Melina, they know that after watching this, you're probably going to watch me and the Ricardos. Or after watching Being the Ricardos, you might go, well, I'd like to know more about the real story. So these are really two great companion pieces, both on Amazon Prime. Come March 4th, you'll be able to see them both back to back. I think that's going to be a really pleasant afternoon if you treat yourself to that. And if you really want to do the deep dive, then yes, go check out Turner Classic Movies. The plot thickens. It's 10 episodes plus four bonus episodes as of this moment. So you've got between 11 and 12 hours of content where they really go deep into this story, and it's well worth checking out. As for Amy Poehler and her team, they did a great project. I look forward to seeing anything else from Amy Poehler. It'd be really fun if she did that Carol Burnett documentary, because I I agree with you guys. Someone's got to do it while she's still alive. Let's not wait until she's gone. So yes, please, Amy Poehler, if you're listening, I know you are. (laughs) You've got Carol Burnett's number. Let's see the Carol Burnett documentary, because I would love to see that. As for her first effort as a documentary filmmaker, I was very pleased with it. I'm going to have to give this 8 out of 10 bottles of Vitamina Vegemin, which is the <laughs> same review I gave to uh, Being the Ricardos, I think. Oh, my uh, <laughs> You know, Frank, speaking of like bitchy bad headlines, Lucy has the dubious honor of being like one of the first celebrity deaths that I was aware of as a child. Me too. Oh my goodness. I was just old enough that I remember when Lucy passed away. And I specifically remember the tabloid headline. This may have even been Weekly World News. The story was that a child had seen a picture of Lucy in a newspaper and said, Mommy, that's the redheaded angel that saved me from the car accident. Oh my God. <laughs> and I just have that vivid image of, of that headline standing in, in the uh, grocery store. And then the ghost of Desi would say, She's not really a redhead. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs>